Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning we're going to continue on our series, uh, Less is More. Uh, last week, Pastor Steve kicked off this series uh, by challenging us to be able to witness boldly. And today we're going to look at this on this same line of thought of line of thought from John the Baptist over in the book of John. And he said this in John 3, verse 30. He said, He must become greater, I must become less. Now, we're going to focus on giving generously this morning, and John knew what it was to serve God faithfully, and he was radical in his serving of the Lord. He gave generously in his life, and he was willing to take every opportunity that was given to him to point people towards righteousness. And ultimately, we know that John the Baptist was willing to allow his work and his recognition to go, beyond, go to the wayside so that Jesus would become greater in the lives of the people in this world. And we know that he pointed people to Jesus who was the only person, who was the only one that could make them righteous or put them in a right standing with God. So John said, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. So we're going to focus on what John said. We're also going to focus on what John did in his life and his ministry. And the only way to do the things that God wants us to do is to live thinking about ourselves less. And the natural self-preservation instinct in most people must be set to the side at times so that we can look out for others. It's easy for us to live by that self-preservationist that's in us that, that we come, up, come into this earth with. The first thing we want, we want that bottle, right? We want our diaper changed. We want food. All those kind of things, we want them, and we want to take care of ourselves. Recently, I was reading a book to, uh, uh, with our students at uh, SAGU Topeka, and that's uh, Southwestern Assembly of God University. And, uh, of course, we have the program here based at uh, Topeka First, and Andy Stanley had hired and trained staff in this book. He tells a story. He had trained staff in his church uh, to coordinate a ministry that was designed as a place where people could potentially connect others into small groups uh, in their church. Uh, the ministry was somewhat successful. It worked okay, and uh, but the very staff who had created it and who were actually hired, they were brought on to be able to coordinate this ministry, decided in the end that it was something that needed nixed. They were going to shut it down. And the ministry wasn't as effective as they thought it should have been. And so the same team created another idea called Group Link, and that ended up replacing of the ministry that they had been doing. It was more effective. And so what those guys did is they took that ministry and they handed it off to another department, another ministry in the church, then they gave up their jobs. How many people would do that? That team did it because they focused more on the mission of the church and what God wanted to do. They focused more on that than themselves. 
And that isn't much different than what John the Baptist did. Really, it comes right across in lines with what he did. They were, these guys were a team of people who were living generous lives. It was more than just about themselves. They gave of themselves generously. And let's go over to our passage this morning, and we're going to look in John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35, and we're going to read here together. This is NIV version. It should be on the screen for you. And it said this, it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one one of the two who had heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter or Rock. John was a man that knew that the world did not spin on the axis of his life. The world did not center around him. He realized so many people needed the hope that only the Messiah, only that Jesus could bring to them. And this, so this man, John, gave them what he could. He gave them words. He gave them words, that powerful media that we can use even today for those who surround us in the marketplace, in our jobs, and where we work, where we live, our community. We can give them words, the words, the thoughts of the heart, of the mind, and, and are spoken and can affect so many people around us, how we use them is so important. We all misuse them and misuse them at times, but we must make sure that we give people words that encourage them. So give words. Become generous with good words. Look at verse 35 again. He said, it says the next day John was there and again with two of his, his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. There's an exclamation mark at the end of that, right? So he said, hey, you guys need to look here. You need to see who is passing by. We need to be able to give words to others and encourage them. And John's been around for a while. He's been serving the people of Israel. He has been sharing the truth with them. He's been preaching, and uh, he was guiding the people of God back to righteousness, back to living right. He hadn't always given easy messages. That was the thing about John the Baptist. He didn't always give the nice, cozy, easy messages. And in fact, he gave some tough ones, even to those officials of the day, and it caused him to go into the prison. He was imprisoned, and we know it towards the end, he lost his head over the deal, and, uh, which was not very nice, correct? And, uh, so, but he spoke of righteousness. He wasn't, afraid, he wasn't afraid of encouraging others to follow the way of the Lord. And here on these verses in 35 and 36, we find Jesus passing by. 
Here again, John had a couple of disciples with him. We know that Andrew was one of them that was, with, uh, was one of the disciples of John. And Jesus is just walking by, and out of John's mouth come the words that, have, uh, that started to diminish his ministry, his own. Not only his ministry, but also his livelihood. And he said those words, look, the Lamb of God. The Baptist was giving generously of his words. If there was anything that he could do that would have significance in his life, it was to give words that encourage others. You realize that you, you yourself, have opportunities to give words to people that maybe other people will not have. You may have a connection with someone that no one else has, and you may have the opportunity to give them words of encouragement that can change and transform their life. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your status is. Doesn't matter what your work is. Doesn't matter if you're at school. You may have an opportunity that God puts in front of you where you can encourage somebody and it may change their world. John the Baptist was that way. He was willing to use the words that he had to, had to bless others and to help them. I want to challenge you not to hold back those words that God gives you when you have an opportunity to encourage those around you. Build the friendship with others. Now, we understand, in some sense, words can just be words, right? In some sense, we know that words must uh, come along with the way we live, the way we act. So it's important. Our witness is not only our words. Our witness is how we live. How do we live in front of others? How do we live... In our, within our family? How do we live in the community? That's important. But we know that on that foundation of the rapport that we build as followers of Jesus, that we can use the words that God gives us and we can bless the lives of others. Be generous. Give words to others that points them to the hope of Christ. Giving generously is more than just finances. As with John the Baptist, he was willing to point people to the only one that could provide everlasting life for them. And when John looked over and he saw Jesus walking by, he could have just let Jesus pass by and not said a word, couldn't he? He did that. He, he said something. He said, hey, here's Jesus. And he was taking a chance of losing some of his disciples. He did that because he knew it would be life-transforming for them. It was going to be helpful for them, and it would be helpful for a lot of other people. He was willing to step back out of the limelight. The Holy Spirit of God wanted him to tell, whom, tell this information of who this guy was, and John was willing to let the Spirit of God speak through him. He was the one that was calling out in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. That's what, that's what John's job was. It, was. it was for him to be able to be the forerunner for Christ and say, hey, this is the guy you need to listen to. I'm just here speaking. I'm a talking head, but you guys need to listen to this man. He knows what he's talking about. Give words to others that point them to the hope of Christ. Paul Rader uh, had talked to the banker that he knew in New York and uh, he talked to him many times about the Lord, but the banker always said to him, he said, oh, I'm too busy for religion. And uh, the time passed and the banker was overworked and just really struggling physically. And so he went to a, 
uh, to a, a really a plush spa to be able to rest and recoup. And uh, so one day a raider felt like the Lord was speaking to his heart that he should go and talk to the banker. And so he went, he uh, got a train, he headed that way, and he met Raider. And when he gets to, the, gets to the facility, he sees the guy standing in the door. He's standing there in the door, and uh, he's, the, the man says to him, the banker says, Oh, Raider, I'm glad to see you. And Raider told him, he said, uh, he said I received your telegram. He said, What? You couldn't have. That's impossible. He said, I wrote that thing, and I tore it up, and I threw it in the trash. And he says, no, I, I received your message from heaven. And so he came and he talked to the man, and, and that banker gave his life to the Lord that day. And then he responded back to Raider. He said this, he said, did you ever see the sky so blue or the grass so green? See, something had changed in his heart. Something had changed in his life because somebody was willing to speak words to him. He was willing to speak words of encouragement, words of life, words to point him towards Christ. You have words to give out to others. You have those words, and those words may take a while to germinate, just like when you plant a seed in the ground. It takes a little bit of moisture. It takes some, uh, the right temperature. It maybe takes some fertilizer. There's some different things, some different components that have to come along before that seed will germinate. And sometimes you are going to share things with other people. You're going to share a life with them. You're going to share words. You're going to give them to them. And it's going to take a while before those words sprout in their lives and before faith starts coming to pass in their lives. But you have those words and you can be generous with them and share them with others. We can also be generous with our resources. We can also be generous by giving financially or whatever resources we have for the Lord. When you look at this passage, you may not think of John as someone who is giving financially, yet on the other hand, we see the overall picture of what was happening to his ministry. He was giving of his resources. John was willing to give his people, those who were a part of his ministry and his, his disciples, and he was giving them generously. He was giving his resources. In John chapter 1, verse 37, there again it says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They were off. They were gone. And then he says over in verse 40 there, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So John gave up Andrew. John gave him up and he gave up another one of the disciples and so they could go and follow Christ. And he was willing to give up of his resources. He could have, he could have allowed the self-preservationist to kick in and told Andrew, no way, man, you got to stick with me. You're in this for the duration. You, you can't leave here. you you got to stick it out with us. But he didn't. He realized that he needed to be able to give of himself. John wasn't the only person in the New Testament that was willing to be, gen be generous givers of their resources. We find somebody else over in Acts chapter 16. Now, it's, it's, not on the, it's not on the overhead for you this morning. If you have your Bible, you can open it. But Acts 16, we find Lydia. Lydia, she was a seller of purple. She was a uh, person who was, maybe she had a retail shop for fabric, I don't know. But she sold uh, uh, purple garments, purple cloth 
That was what she did. And she had placed her faith in Christ. And we find in Acts 16 that many early followers of Jesus met in Lydia's house. And she had welcomed them in to share her resources. We find in verse 40 of Acts 16 these words. After Paul and Silas had been arrested for preaching the gospel and they had been in a prison, they got out and this is what it says. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. So we find that Lydia wasn't just thinking of herself. She was viewing things a little bit different. She was viewing things according to the kingdom, the way the kingdom of God works. And she was saying, hey, these people need a place. And so she was willing to give her place. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 tells us this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We can expect that when we have the ability to refresh others, then we must take that opportunity. Sure, there are times we may not be able to do much. There are times it may be just very little. I don't know what your situation is. In fact, uh, the, the opportunity that I gave you earlier, that was not planned in relationship to the sermon. That just that happened. That need came up and we found out about it. But Sometimes we have those opportunities to be able to refresh others, and we know that when we do, God ends up blessing our lives back, and He refreshes us and strengthens us as well. Giving generously was not only left for Lydia, the merchant owner. We find another person in the New Testament that we don't usually consider as a person who is a giver because we're so focused on the story. Usually we focus on this guy, and the guy I'm talking about is Cornelius. We find Cornelius over in Acts chapter 10, and in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, this is what the Scripture says. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in in what was known as the Italian regiment, He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, I'm sure that some of you guys knew this story from when you were in Sunday school class years ago. Some of you may have heard it only for the first time. But this this man was was a special man. He's identified as a centurion of the Italian uh, cohort or regiment, depends on the translation, A centurion was a non-commissioned officer who had worked his way up through the ranks, and uh, he had uh, taken the command of a group of soldiers within a a Roman legion. And so he he therefore would have been roughly what we call a captain today in uh, some of the armed forces. So uh, this cohort was a tenth of a Roman legion, and they numbered somewhere around 300 to 600 people. We don't know for sure. But here's this guy, Cornelius. The Scripture says of him that he was devout and he was God-fearing. And this description of this military leader shows that Cornelius was, was almost a proselyte or a convert to Judaism. That's what they would have called him. Or he was a so-called proselyte of the gate, which is, means he was just right on the edge. He was almost one of those, but he was devout. He was He was uh, focusing himself on the Lord. And so he showed his love towards God in that he was devout and he was a man of prayer. 
and he gave generously to those in need. Now Luke tells us here in the book of Acts that Cornelius was devout, so was his family, which uh, for some scholars would say that likely this would have meant both his extended family and any servants that may have been a part of them since he was such a leader, a man of standing there, uh, which is something they did back then. And so these people were in general were, were also part, they were devout, they followed his lead. And, and we find that the Lord gives Cornelius a vision there in Acts 10. It's pretty cool. If you haven't read this story, you need to get there after service. Get in there and read that passage. Read before that, what happens, read after. It's a great, it's a great passage, a great story. And in this open vision, an angel reveals these words to him to show Cornelius' character and generosity in verse 4. And he says these words. He says, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. How would you feel? You're sitting at home, sitting in your big easy chair, got your feet up, got your glass of iced tea beside you, and here comes the angel of the Lord. He says, hey, buddy, put your name in there, whatever your name is, put your name in there. says, hey, buddy, you know what? Your prayers, hey, we're going to talk about this. God has something special for you. Your giving that you've done to the Lord and to help people out, hey, God, God hears that. He's seen that. We don't normally think about Cornelius as a generous giver, just not what we usually think of. We normally see him as one of the first Gentile believers. He was one of these first Gentile believers who put his faith in Christ and then from there was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we see this is a major shift in the book of Acts. But Cornelius was a generous giver. It was like the angel said, look, you, you, pray, you faithfully prayed, you faithfully gave to the poor, and God sees it, and he wants to do something special in your life. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says this, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward them for what they've done. It seems that for Cornelius, God is saying this to him in so many words. I see what you've done. In a book, Run with Horses, Run with the Horses by Eugene Peterson, uh, he, he talks about a family of birds teaching uh, the young to fly. So, you know, uh, if you have ever seen that, there, so there's three swallows are sit, they're sitting up on this dead branch of a tree. And uh, so the, one of the adults uh, comes along and decides, uh, I'm going to help you guys. And so the, the, the branch is about four feet, feet above the water. And so the adult comes up and sits beside him. And then the adult starts pushing him over. Wham. Wham. And so then the first one drops off, you know, to, to, instead of to his death, he, he drops off and he starts flapping those things on the side of his body that he didn't know he had. And he starts flapping those things and then he starts flying and he takes off. And then here comes the second one, right? So the, so the you know, it must have been the dad, right? Maybe the mom wouldn't do that, but the dads, you know, sometimes us dads. And so the dad or mom or gets up there and starts pushing again. Number two, here they go. The second one, push him. The, the bird falls off and he gets down and, and he doesn't hit the water. And he starts flying and he gets out of there. Okay, number three comes along. Number three, if I can get my numbers right, 
Number three was a little bit more tenacious. He starts pushing on him, pushing on him. And he falls down a little bit and keeps a hold of the branch upside down while he's trying to get out of there. But, oh, this, this parent bird, this is not the end of this. You're going to fly because you were made to fly. So the parent bird decides, hey, this is what we're going to do. And he starts pecking his feet, pecking his little talons. He's going to peck it. He says, no pain, no gain, right? You ever felt like that sometimes? So it finally starts pecking and pecking and pecking, and finally the bird gives up and says, I can't handle this anymore. And the bird falls and then starts flapping, and he flies away. Because that's, that's what they were made to do, right? Well, they have birds have feet, right? They have the little uh, whatever you call those things. And uh, the bird has those. They can walk. They can strut. They can do all those kind of things. But they weren't made just to sit and to nest and to walk. Those birds were made to fly. That's what God had put in them. God had given them that gift to fly, and that's where they did best. And I think for us as followers of Jesus, and as we mirror the image of our maker, our creator, we also were born maybe not to fly, but to be generous because God is generous. That's who he is. He's made us to be generous and giving us what we do best. It's an action that was designed in us before we were born. And some of us try desperately to hold on to ourselves, to live for ourselves, so we, so we, we look pathetic when we do, right? We hang on to the dead branch of the stuff that we have or whatever we have, whatever gets in our way, and we're afraid to risk ourselves on the untried wings of giving or being generous. We don't think we can live generously because we've never tried to live that way. But the sooner we start, the better, for we're going to have to give up our lives finally anyway. And the longer we wait, the less time we have for soaring with the graces that God has given to us. So we can become generous with our words. We can become generous with the things we have, with the resources we have to help others around us who suffer. And that doesn't matter what our financial status is, does it? We can have a dollar to our name and learn how to be a giver. The third thing we have is giving our time. Let's go back to our passage here in John chapter 1. John the Baptist has introduced Andrew and, uh, and another one of his disciples to Jesus. And now Jesus responds to Andrew and the other disciples question, where are you staying? And he says, well, come and see. And so they went with Jesus. They hung out with him. You can see that there in the passage. And, and you see that uh, in verse 39 of chapter 1, it says, uh, it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. So they spent time with Jesus. They spent time with the Lord. They, they gave up some of their time to be, interact with him. And giving our time can include many things. But one thing we know about Jesus was that he has plenty of time uh, to give his disciples and the crowds around him. That's just the way he was. Yes, he did get away. Yes, he would spend time in prayer. He would go to the garden. He would do those things that he had to do to recharge and to connect with his heavenly Father. And we as well can spend time with others. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a group leader. Uh, you can be a person who's just willing to spend time with others. Just as 
John's two disciples went and spent time with Jesus. The question that I have for us is, do we sacrifice our time for Him and for others? We know that Jesus sacrificed His time, His life for us. And that's, you know, but we have to flip that around. Are we willing to give of ourselves to Him? We too must spend that time in fellowship and prayer with the Lord. We must be part, it must be part of your healthy life's journey, and yet being generous with your time is also serving. And I thank the Lord for so many of you who serve with us here at First Assembly. We wouldn't be able to do the things we do without you. Some are, some are uh, ushers and greeters and life group leaders and sound men and worship team and and I could just go on and on, all those people that worked yesterday trying to work in the, in the fellowship hall, and all of the things that are happening, all those things happen because people are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to give of my time. The different ministries, I could go on and on of all the different ministries, and we wouldn't have them if it wasn't for your service. What about Royal Rangers and Missionettes? or impact girls now, right, on uh, Wednesday nights, or youth. Wouldn't have those kids in there, be able to minister to them, to see them, to grow up, and to take leadership of the church in the future if we didn't give towards them by giving of our time. When Jesus becomes greater and we become less, we're letting the Lord be who He wants to be through our lives. Do you realize He wants to work in your life? Do you realize He wants to do awesome things through you? And you say, how could He do that through me? I'm just so-and-so. Yeah, you are just so-and-so, and He created you in His image. And He has a plan to work through your life. He has a plan to bless others through you. There's a Spanish philosopher, and his name, if I say it correctly, is Un Am Uno, and he tells about the Roman aqueduct that was uh, built in Segovia, Spain. It was built around the year 109 A.D. That was a couple years before I was born. And for 1,800 years, it carried cold water from the mountains into the hot and thirsty city. And uh, nearly 60 generations of people drank from the water that came through that aqueduct. Then came another generation, a recent one, who said this aqueduct is such a great marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its century-long labor. So they did. They laid iron pipes. They, uh, they uh, gave the ancient bricks and mortar. They gave it some rest. And the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beat down on the dry mortar. And it caused it to crumble. The bricks and stone sagged and threatened to fall because the water was gone. There was no more flow. There was no more life happening in that thing. So what ages of service could not destroy? Idleness disintegrated. Would you stand with me this morning? May your service continue in the Lord until you can serve no longer. You can be generous by giving words to others, be an encourager to those that are around you. You can be generous by giving of your resources, and then you can be generous by giving of the time that God has given to you 
on this point in your life. You know, there's times that people's lives shift. There's times that people's lives change. And we can't do much about that. And that sometimes means that where we used to serve, we may not be able to serve anymore, but we may be able to serve in another place or another capacity. But if there is anything that must be happening in us, it's this. He must become greater and greater. And we must become less and less. Are you willing this morning to allow Him to become greater in your life. If you are, take this moment to recommit yourself to Him fully in this time of prayer. Now, if our prayer teams, go ahead and come forward, please. And then Michael's going to lead us in some worship. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you need to recommit yourself to the Lord because you just haven't been at that place you need to be. And you may ask the Lord, hey, help me. I need you to work in my life. It could be maybe you haven't taken that step of faith to even trust Him as your Lord and Savior. But you know that God has something for you. God does have something for you, just like He did for Cornelius. He loves you, and He wants to work in your life, and He wants to help you to be who He wants you to be. Let me pray for you this morning. And then you can come if you need to pray. If you would like to pray with some others, we'd love to do that. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you hear us, Lord. But we thank thankful, Lord God, that you give us the ability to give of ourselves, give of our words, give of our resources, give of our time in whatever fashion. Lord, you are good. You are faithful. You have been kind to us. And I pray that you would help us this morning to be able to remember that you must be greater and we must be less. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.